Hello, and welcome to FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Week. This is the Ocean Maritime Supply Chain Conference, and I'm your host for today's session. My name is Steve Ferreira, and I'm CEO of Ocean Audit, a global ocean freight refund consultancy company in Hartford, Connecticut. And I'm especially excited to talk about today's session as we head into the 2021 global ocean freight and North America ocean freight contracting process. And I started to think about how the segment would go and the best way I can express it to our fantastic freight waves audience out there is you have to think of it a little bit as the Airbnb of shipping. And by that, what I mean is that I am totally a neutral person when it comes to you know, whether I give you the recommendation to go with a direct carrier for your ocean freight, a middleman, an intermediary, an NVOCC freight forwarder. But I will say this, one of the things that you need to know right now as a global audience, as we introduce today's session on global ocean freight contracting, next steps beneficial cargo owners should take, you need to be aware that I believe out of all the years in ocean freight maritime shipping, we are at a historic moment where you should really consider the mix of both either direct carrier, NVOCC freight forwarder, and really start to examine the Airbnb choices out there of shipping. Because I'll tell you, without that, you're going to be really lost and confused when it comes to navigating the maze of ocean freight contracting and rate management for 2021. Now, I'll give you a really good example before I introduce my fantastic guest today. My wife and I were looking for a potential getaway destination on Airbnb just the other night. And we put in our choice of where we wanted, and we had 100 properties, 100 choices. However, when we selected Superhosts, which we prefer because that's the cream of the cream, we only had 10 properties. So I thought to myself, that's really interesting. There are five or 6,000 registered NVOCC and freight forwarders, ocean carriers that you have the choice of. However, you really need to start honing in on the super hosts within that group, within those groups. And so it's really, really important right now to narrow down your choices to the right party and the right time. But I do urge my audience to look at a mixture of all types of providers this year and make sure you vet them as super host. Now, with that said, being neutral, one of the people that I think is a super host is none other than my, my fantastic guest today, Stephanie Loomis. Stephanie is the vice president of FCL product at Vanguard Logistics. Hey, super host, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Steve. Really happy to be here. Oh, that's great. I am so tickled uh, to have you on today. You know, I, I um, uh, we were talking uh, casually and in, in how, you know, we're both, you know, uh, decades industry experts in, in, in our trade here, but we haven't really crossed those paths or rails or bridges together. So I'm so pleased at this point you've graced our FreightWaves virtual stage to help our um, global virtual audience to understand what's happening out there in the world of ocean contracting and navigating the big issues in 2021. So again, welcome to the show. So Stephanie, you know, um, I admired, uh, now Stephanie is somebody uh, that gets it right. You know, I think that when you look at 
my recent interview uh, here on, on Freight Waves with Gary Vaynerchuk, and we talk about branding and storytelling, content management, building your niche, becoming an influencer. Uh, Stephanie has hit all the high marks. And one of the things that got me really interested in talking to Stephanie and helping her express her views to our audience today is a fantastic article that Stephanie wrote entitled Thoughts on the 2021 Trans-Pacific Contract Season. And you can find that article on LinkedIn. Stephanie, you blew me away with the article. Well, um, for its Not only for its... Um, it's simplicity, but it's inherent complexity. And I'd like to get into that with you today if we could. Sure. sure. Great. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was fantastic. And it's a treaty that every BCO, a beneficial cargo owner, should look at. And, and you know, it is it is funny, right? We we talk so much about the industry and, and FreightWaves audiences. Um, I, I talk to you about, you know, I know 40 or 50 new new folks that have just been, been empowered in international ocean logistics that might have come from uh, trucking or distribution or supply chain. And so they're sitting here and they're listening to us. And, you know, you're one of the top 10 or 15 experts on the world in the world on what I'm about to ask you. So as we head into contracting season, how do you see what a, some in your article, you hit on a, a lot of important issues like forecasting rates relationships. So why don't you take us through how you see the most important treaties sure. were coming up uh, negotiating season. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely going to be a, a different a different year uh, for a lot of importers and, and BCOs. We uh, most importantly we have to respect the fact that we are dealing with a different community of carriers right now. Uh, they're in a very strong position. Uh, unfortunately, for those of us that are negotiating new contracts, it's sort of like trying to buy a house at the top of the market. So. Um, you know, rates rates need to be secondary this year. Um, the levels are going up. Uh, there's no question about that. But after after the nightmare that we've lived through for the last few months, um, I kind of came up with an acronym of of being a fair customer. And what I mean by that, I I it's similar to what happened a few years ago on the domestic side when you needed to become a best shipper in order to be attractive enough to the trucking industry because demand was so much higher than supply, we're in a very similar situation on the ocean side. And so, you know, I can't stress enough that the most important thing that an importer and, and a BCO can do is to accurately forecast uh, their needs going into the new contract. Um, the best forecasters will get the best deal. I mean, that's just, that's just going to be a fact. Um, and, and I also think it's really important to look at alternatives. Uh, you know, if you've always brought your freight into the Pacific Southwest, really time to, to expand your horizons if you at all can, um, by looking at even in Oakland versus in LA, but certainly, uh, you're moving freight into the interior of the country that you, you look at East Coast routings, uh, Pacific Northwest routings. Uh, we need to spread some of this cargo around. Um, and then I, it's extremely important that you be informed. Uh, you know, a lot of the old days of being able to sign your contract, uh, sure that you've got a rate in hand and you're good to go uh, going into the next 12 months uh, is, is a pretty scary thing to do this year. Uh, you need to make sure that you're keeping an eye on the market through, you know, people like you, 
and different uh, you know publications. But it's especially important, I think, that you have regular meetings with your your vendors, your carriers, your forwarders. Uh, forwarders especially have have access to a lot of information about your your shipment and your your business that they you know can share with you to look for different alternatives for uh, cost savings. You know, Stephanie, it's really, really fascinating to talk about these aspects because, on one level, they're uh, they have a, they have a certain dimension, and then when you kind of expand on them, like you know, two professionals like you and I do, we want to give our clients and our marketplace out there a multi-dimensional approach. So let's talk about the forecasting for a second. Um, you know, and my my question was originally going to be like, what would impress the hell out of you? Like, if 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 a BCO called you, a beneficial cargo owner called you out of the blue. And uh, they, they talk to you about, you know, their order management system. They can be so predictable. They can do this, this and this. I mean, that would probably, you know, pique your interest to say, wow, this is somebody that really is on top of the game. My question to you, Stephanie, is that traditionally professionals like you and I have worked within the logistics suite. And now that we're talking about forecasting, we may need to get into finance and production management and, and other parts of the executive chain. How is Vanguard coping with that, and how do you, what are you doing differently this year to accentuate that versus what you did in the past? Well, it's it's really important that we strive to have the the best mix of allocation as we can. Uh, you know, in order to protect our import clients, they're they're going to be looking for space more than anything this year. So as a you know, no forwarder in the business uh, gets a hundred percent of their allocation on what we call the fixed rate or the long-term rate. Um, but it's all about getting the right mix for for our customers uh, to know what product is most price sensitive, uh, where they they really do probably need that that at least that cap that ceiling on on where a rate level is going to go for them. And then they might have products that that are a little bit more flexible about managing through the spot market or, um, you know, having longer transit. You know, lead lead time is also something that's just going to change this year. You know, the congestion on the West Coast doesn't look like it's going to ease anytime soon. So, uh, you know, it's important that you're working with your production teams and your purchasing departments to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not, you're not disappointing anybody because the days of four to six weeks from China, uh, that's not happening right now and probably won't happen for the foreseeable future. So, Stephanie, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about contracting this year is you start to hear a lot of people throw out the words like performance based or enforceable contracts. I hate the word enforceable, but tell me about your feelings on performance based in terms of uh, whether or not you'd be open to uh, a performance-based deal where perhaps uh, if the customer no, no shows on the freight, there's some kind of compensation or maybe there's a transit time guarantee after the cargo is picked up. Speak, right. to, uh, speak to that a little bit for our audience, please. Well, it's definitely something new for the industry, um, you know, but there's there's certainly a feeling out there that, that you know, the con the old ways of having contracts are just not really holding up. Um, so I, I do see this as being something that we'll start to, to see happen this year, depending on, you know, the size and scope of, of an importer. And, but I think it's, uh, I think it's important that both parties take some more responsibility for being, you know, being transparent and, and being accountable. 
you know, there's a reason why it's not just the congestion on the West Coast that just happened. Uh, there's a reason why this congestion came to came to be, and it's not just because volumes are are increasing out of Asia. That's certainly a big part of it. But you know, all parties have to have a role to play in in making uh, the supply chains move smoother and faster. Uh, and if you know the days of being able to book just all you want and and show up with half the cargo and have the carriers be okay with that, uh, you know, are I think are are over. Uh, you know, the carriers expect to utilize the vast majority of the space on their vessels, and I can't say that I blame them. Uh, but you know, the carriers also need to need to find. You know, once we can get through this. Uh, this issue we're, we're having currently with congestion that get, we will get through this eventually. Uh, you know, then I think it is it, it is expected that the carriers should have some accountability for their performance as well. And Stephanie, how would you uh, how would you address, let's say, somebody in one of the silos in finance or in the C-suite that might say, well, you know, I, I hear on the news this container stuff is really hot right now, and you know, we think it'll die down, and you know, we're not going to be too worried about it. So, you know, Billy or Jane in logistics, don't do anything too aggressive. How would you address the C-suite with your feelings on? how long this container getting effect will last and how long we can experience these prolonged levels of pricing? Um, I, you know, if you look at the order books, uh, there's not a lot of vessels coming into, in, new vessels coming into the market uh, anytime soon. There's been a push to, to do some ordering recently, but of course a vessel takes three years to build. So, you know, I think, I think the carriers are going to be in a very dominant position for at least the next couple of years. Uh, I do think we're seeing a structural change in the industry that, uh, you know, carriers are not interested in, like they used to, of chasing volumes down a rabbit hole <laughs> to let, let, you know, freight rates erode. Uh, they, are, they are interested in moving profitable cargo. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, we, we have, you know, we have to remember, and I would tell any financial person, that it's still relatively inexpensive to move product from China. Uh, you know, the, the cost, you know, unless you're moving tiki torches or something that's really low value, uh, you know, the cost of the transportation is still something that uh, I think is, it should be manageable. You know, I totally agree. I did a study the other day, and it was just really weird that you, you brought that up. Is uh, I looked at the price of uh, ocean freight component of a sweater, like at Macy's, for example, uh, this year versus last year. And, you know, maybe it was 12 cents last year, and it's 32 cents this year. I mean, with dynamic pricing, I mean, and that, but you know what, that is a really good point. Um, in your travels, in your conversations, do you believe that we've reached a point now where retailers and, 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 and other vertical, uh, other importers in different verticals, do you believe that they're still playing the wait and see game to pass the, these extra costs on to the, to the general um, public or? Yeah. I, I mean, it's so early in the, in the negotiating yeah. that, you know, I think there's still, there's still a, a component of, of customers that are really hoping to see the spot market take a dive and that it will change where, you know, where rate levels may end up for this new contract season. But, uh, you know, I would advise that I wouldn't wait too long um, because, again, allocation is, is going to be king. Uh, and you want to, uh, you know, attain a decent amount of, of allocation on your MQC or minimum quantity commitment. 
you, you can't wait too long because the carriers only have so much of this of that that kind of allocation that they want to sell into the market. Yeah, it's fascinating to talk to you about this. I remember, you know, some 20 years ago, we did a, a game theory at Sealand, and we were talking about how ocean uh, ocean rates, you know, should be, you know, 10% of the value, the FOB value of the product. And I mean, I think importers uh, today, especially you know, Gen Xs and Millennials, they see the price, you know, of a, a couple of years ago of a thousand or 1,200, and you know, now 3,000, 4,000, and they don't get it. But importing is relatively cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Historically, it's weird. I know, yeah. I know, guys, listen, uh, by the way. I know, uh, <laughs> we're all getting the shot. It'll be like, are you kidding? Yeah, I was just about to say you're watching uh, Stephanie Loomis of Vanguard and Steve Ferreira, but I'm not going to give our names. <laughs> um, hey, Stephanie, you know, one thing is really interesting to me, and I saw a couple articles on it, and uh, I started to do some dynamic thinking about how the supply chain's configured. And there was somebody that made a comment that um, with regards to free time and detention and demurrage that today's supply chain is not really geared to have that kind of quick turn. Uh, I know the FMC and, and you know, many uh, regulatory uh, bodies, you know, have been looking at detention, demurrage, and we are looking at a completely different, completely different scope in free time this year. Can you comment a little bit on what you're hearing and what you think um, the end result of this free time demurrage will be? Yeah. I'm not. I feel like I'm. I'm bringing no good news to this conversation. <laughs> I do, this this is know, what we again, need. <laughs> I'm the bearer of bad news. Uh, I, I do think that free time, you know, is going to get is going to get pressure this year. Uh, I've said this many years in, in a row on this on the contract season that oh, this is the year <laughs> that big you know carriers are going to limit some of their large BCOs free time. Uh, but I, I really do think that's coming. You know, we've we've already seen it to some degree on some of our negotiations that uh, they they'd like to get some of that free time back. Uh, and and I get it. Again, we're all we all play a part in the fact that our our overall industry doesn't work as well as it could. Uh, and there's plenty of other solutions for an importer that that needs space, needs the ability to to uh, you know store product. Uh, it doesn't need to always be stored in a container, I don't. You know, Stephanie, I, I put you in the group of uh, being a super host, and I, I wanted to ask you on that question on detention demurrage about how we can maybe make it simpler. And I'm just really brainstorming with you like two friends having a conversation. But, I mean, do you, do you ever see a way where perhaps the uh, – the freight forwarder would say, "Okay, uh, we're gonna um, we'll pay the demerge detention that we need to pay to the uh, ocean carrier, but we're gonna make it a little bit more op opaque for our for our for our end user, and maybe you know, because you know, in the past, like people have baked in two days or three days, and then it's been five days, and you haven't collected the money. Do do you, do you foresee a way to make it easier? And if so, could you give the audience uh, maybe one or two thoughts on it?" Uh, I mean, when it comes to the actual detention and demerit, you're, you know, that's a, that's a costly, you know, that's a sizable amount of money. You know, our, our goal with our import customers is always to keep them from having any detention or demerit, um, by managing the fine, you know, the final mile for them. What I would say is I could compare it to, you know, the chassis situation. I mean, chassis has the same problem, right? You, you, you know, you don't always know what the customer is going to use until after they use it. And we've already built them and it becomes a big nightmare of extra, you know, invoices. And so what I, what I have done in the past is again, it's about really 
understanding the customer's requirements and their process uh, and hoping that they in turn really know their own process. If they normally are going to keep the container for five days, uh, hopefully I've gotten them that five days with the ocean carrier. And then it comes down to the chassis. So we may say, okay, look, I'll just charge you a hundred bucks on top of your ocean freight for the chassis charge. Uh, and in some cases they may go over, but hopefully in some cases they use it for less time. Uh, and that makes it a little bit easier for everybody, you know, with, without subsequent billing. I mean, that, that I think is somewhat common uh, practice. I love that answer very much. And, uh, you know, I started to think, uh, we, as we talked about today's topic, uh, you know, our, our audience out there is listening to us talk about different terms. And we use a lot of acronyms. And uh, I think the acronym for 2021, there's, if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with uh, DET slash DEM, which for the audience is the <laughs> okay. detention demur. So that's my acronym. Yeah. Stephanie, you're my special guest. What's your acronym for 2021? Well, if I had to be honest, there's no acronym for forecasting. If there was, maybe it's just F-O-R for forecasting. I, I think forecasting is going to be the most important thing uh, for 2021. Spot on, spot on. You know, you've given our audience so many interesting uh, tidbits. And as I said, your your seminal article on 2021, 22 uh, contracting, where we take in forecasting, relationships, information, and uh, really uh, blending them together is so important. I encourage everyone to read your work on LinkedIn. And um, Stephanie, how can people reach out to you if they want to have a phone call or an email? I can be reached at uh, stephanie.loomis at vanguardlogistics.com. And my my, I'll, I'll, if you email me, I'll give you my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good, good deal. Well, listen, everyone, you've been watching my special guest, Stephanie Loomis, uh, vice president of uh, FCL uh, products at uh, Vanguard Logistics, a great, uh, uh, one of those great uh, Airbnb hosts that I was speaking about earlier. I'm Steve Ferreira, CEO of Ocean Audit. Thank you for joining the Freight Waves Conference. And Stephanie, thank you for being such a great guest.